Hello and welcome to Don't Shoot the Deputies, a podcast run by two deputy heads living on opposite sides of the country. What you're about to hear is a short webinar we recorded on the 23rd of December 2020 with our friends Liz Scott and Stu Newbury. We were also joined by some members of our Facebook group who came along to listen to the conversation as it happened. We hope that by listening today, you're able to feel a sense of connection and calm in the midst of very uncertain times. From both Steve and me, we wish you a very happy Christmas. Thanks for joining us on this Christmas Eve Eve webinar. And this came about really because we we very much recognise that this is quite a tricky time for a lot of people at the moment, particularly educators, but everybody. And we wanted to do something to support our members. Um, hopefully give you a little sense of connection, but also just a bit of calm reflection time as well, because I imagine a lot of people will be having a lot of a lot of busy thinking going on at the moment. Now, some of you might be aware that in the original lockdown, we did a series of well-being webinars alongside Liz and Stu. Now, Liz and Stu run an organisation called Inner Compass, and we know them because I've worked a lot with them in the schools that I've worked in in the last few years. Now, Liz, if I can come to you first today, um, I just wanted to maybe start with the idea that what we're not going to even attempt to do this morning is try and fix the circumstances that people are in because that's impossible, isn't it? Yeah, it's often um, the, the starting point for a lot of people when they feel a little bit uncomfortable or they're feeling tired or, or exhausted or they just feel a bit discombobulated with life is like there, there's, there's an inclination or an urge to think, oh, I need to fix something. I either need to fix somebody else, I need to fix my circumstances, or I need to fix my thinking. Those are the sort of the, the, the areas that people rattle around. And certainly, Stu and I, we, we, we've been in, in the world of coaching for some time. And certainly, several years ago, we would have probably said, yes, that, that's probably a good place to start. But actually, in recent years, we've seen something that's much more useful and much more helpful. And we're going to be talking about that today. So today isn't going to be about tools, techniques and strategies. This is about really seeing something that everybody's got that can be so helpful when they see it for themselves. Thank you. I look forward to picking up that theme a little bit more as we uh, as we talk a bit further. Steve, I was wondering if I could come to you and just hear your reflections, really, because I know you've had quite a, quite a tricky couple of weeks, as lots of people have. You're in Kent, which is one of our tier four places. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think about five minutes before the call, you've even had to notify someone else of a case and a closed bubble and things have been tricky. What do you see as some of the hardest things people are, are, are dealing with at the moment? Absolutely, Russell. Um, I think I'm not alone when we notice that we have to isolate bubbles, close bubbles all the time. But the main gist that I'm getting is that people have been working agonisingly for a long term. We don't know terms like this. We've had to deal with additionals that everyone else in the world has had to deal with as well. But within education, when we're looking at the conflicting advice that's given all the time. We're working the weekends, we're working additional hours to ensure everyone is safe, including children. And it feels like, I was talking to my colleagues last night, we've ran a marathon and then they've said, oh, Christmas is your finish line. And you've ran that marathon and you're thinking, yep, at least I get Christmas with my friends. And then suddenly they move the, the benchmark and it's not 26.2 miles anymore it's like 30.2 and you're never going to get there uh, before we return so there's a lot of anxious thinking uh, certainly amongst people that I know 
in terms of the common phrases who are hold on. I've worked in a bubble of 31 children. I've mixed there. I've then come to Christmas. We can't do anything. We're in tier four lockdown and we can't see our friends and family. And then I'm going back to school. And there's this um, sense of injustice, uh, if that's the right mm. word. But mm. there's just a lot of um, hurt in terms of what we're getting to, what we can't have and what we're going back to. So there's certainly that. Then we've dealt with everything that's been thrown at us in terms of the guidance. The secondary schools I'm feeling incredibly sorry for at the moment. And what we're going back to, we don't actually know. When we're going back, we don't really know. Uh, we can suppose that it's going to be the 4th of January for primary. Um, but, for example, my, my kids already know that they're going back later than that, uh, 11th at the earliest, but probably remote learning. So we're juggling so many plates at the moment that that all compounds the, the thinking and the feelings in our head. And it's just so much insecurity and uncertainty. I think you've done a brilliant job of summarising so many of the different things that will be whizzing through people's brain there, Steve. I think that's spot on. If I, if I come to Stu and Liz, because one of the interesting things about uh, Stu and Liz's perspective is they do a, a heck of a lot of work within education, but they're not educators directly in that they don't teach, they don't work directly in schools, although they support schools a lot. And I'm just curious, maybe Stu, if I come to you next, what are you hearing there about what, what teachers are experiencing? Well, I think Steve actually encapsulated a, a lot of the, a lot of the accounts that, that we're hearing, and um, I think my starting point is to, is to say something about my, my sort of take on what you've been through, and to point to, to, to something that is 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 a well-worn word, which is resilience. But actually, what you folks have, have been through and you've been engaged in ever since this broke back in March is, is something that none of your predecessors have ever been involved in. You've you managed to negotiate your way through something, you know, we keep hearing the word unprecedented, but you, you, you know, you get, you get an obstacle and then you work out a way to get beyond the obstacle. And I, I think that that's an extraordinary thing that you might, you might be overlooking now. You might be just sort of forgetting that. But actually, why I say it is, it's the very thing that we keep pointing to, which is part of who we truly are. The, the resilience that, that we see in individuals, and I would say that every day in school, you see it in colleagues and in the children that you teach, is something that we often overlook about ourselves. And we can get hooked up on um, the, the dramas that seem to prevail and forget actually where the strength comes from is not in engaging in the drama, it's, engage, it's, it's engaging in the resilience and uh, the, the essence that, that is who, who we truly are. That's the foundation, that's what we're interested in. Thanks, Stu. So can I just can I just explore that a little bit? Because I know that a lot of people listening will be feeling not they'll be feeling like they're not very resilient at the moment. They'll feel like they're they've been they've been knocked so many times and they'll be experiencing a lot of tricky emotions that might might have them believing that they're not they're not at all resilient, that they're on their knees and you know, this the stuff Steve's described about Christmas has been like the final blow. I and and feeling feeling quite vulnerable feeling quite weak and i'm just curious what you make of maybe if i come back to you now liz about 
feelings and about those kind of emotions of fear and anxiety and worry and stress what do we do with those emotions and are they a sign that we're not very resilient no I actually see it as completely the opposite I see it as a sign that you are resilient um one of the things that um I find with the people that we work with is often when people uh, are experiencing uncomfortable feelings they're, they're stressful feeling stressed or anxious or worried the the common um, perception is oh I need to I need to suppress these feelings I want to I want to get rid of them how do I how do I stop them that's the sort of conversation that, that people want to have with us and, and that's that's often why people engage on doing something an activity or trying to feel better but actually, when you start to see your feelings as something different, they're actually giving you really good information about your, your mental state in any one, one time. And when you start to realize that those feelings are letting you know that you are in um, a, a mental agitation and a space of unsettledness, then instead of trying to suppress them or get rid of them, it's like it's that those feelings are giving you a little message to, to start looking intuitively within about what you need to look after yourself. And, and that's what we're pointing to here is, is we'd say, don't, don't try and suppress those feelings. They're giving you really good information. And actually the information is that you're not going to find the answer by trying to fix things outside because we can't, we know that. I mean, if we could, we would, wouldn't we? If we could get rid of COVID and go back to the way things were, it's like, yeah, we'd, we'd do that, but we can't. That's not, that's not part of the gift. But those feelings are letting us know that, we're, that there is a space within us that is <clears throat> resourceful and resilient and settled and wise. And it's saying, look back to that space because there's only ever one thing that we need to do. And that is just take the next step. And it becomes really overwhelming when we think we need to imagine a future and come up with plans A, B, C, and D when actually all we need to do is in this moment, take the next step. And as Stu was saying, with what you in education have been, has been thrown at you in education over the past few months and what you've managed to negotiate and navigate, you've brilliantly been able to deal with whatever turns up. And that's the bit to keep remembering. And just to finish off by saying, I would imagine as people come to this holidays, they'll be exhausted and understandably so, mentally exhausted and physically exhausted. And I know for me, when I get into that state, I can feel quite emotionally vulnerable and wobbly as well. And that's okay. It's just our whole system is trying to recalibrate and rebalance. So don't give yourself an extra hard time if you're feeling like that. Just understand that that's a really natural thing to be feeling. And a very wise friend of mine once said to me when I went to her saying, I'm feeling really tired at the moment. What should I do? And she, she's a, an acupuncturist. And she said, well, what I tell my patients if they're feeling tired is that I say to them, take a rest. <laughs> and if they come to me and say, well, I'm feeling really, really tired. I say, why don't you have a nap? And I think sometimes our body is trying to intuitively let us know what we need to recalibrate, but we kind of in our revved up thinking, suppress that and ignore it and carry on. So that for me, I think might be um, what I'd like to say today. Thank you, Steve. Do you have any thoughts about what you're hearing there in terms of, you know, what you've experienced yourself? Does any of that feel relevant to you at the moment? 
it really does actually and i think um one of our listeners has just put a brilliant comment actually because through term time it's really easy to compartmentalize um what we're actually doing because you can put aside your fears your worries to a degree you put aside your life and you focus purely on the job at hand and getting it done and when everything is being thrown at you and elements that we don't or haven't experienced before such as the juggling act of remote learning with in-class teaching and getting to grips with the leadership of dealing with this pandemic in uh, education it's really easy to actually just think in your mind that it'll be okay in six or seven weeks because I've got a breather. I've got a gap where I can refocus myself, rejuvenate myself, and then we go again. And actually, it's probably not the best way to look at it. And we are rocks for each other. And I love that someone said that because the staff have been rocks to each other throughout. And let's try to be this element of positivity. And then when you get this knockback, it's so easy to then fall into a different uh, space of thought and feel like you're being done too, even though you're not, and we're all in the same boat going through this horrible storm. But there's that element of just knockdown after knockdown, and then it's hard to, to come back up from it. Yeah, thank you. Stu, what are your thoughts about these knockdowns, this idea that we kind of, we maybe do recalibrate a bit and reconnect with those around us and find, as Steve described it, this positivity, and then something else comes along any thoughts about that yeah thank you um th- there's there's something that in in what i'm hearing which um I, I think is worth commenting on and what i'm pointing to here is that yes all of those things are happening the uncertainty the sudden changes uh that have to be made the things within the school the things outside of the school that, that seem to impact on some of the dialogue that's taking place in the school. And what I'd like to, to say about that is that it's good to notice your thoughts in relation to these things happening. I, I was listen, listening to a podcast earlier on this morning and she talked about the, the thought virus. And she said that, for example, that the things that you're dealing with, you will just deal with you've got the capacity, the resilience, the creativity to deal with whatever's thrown in your way. I, I know that to be true. I, I, I'm saying that without any, any shadow of doubt in my mind at all. But the thing that messes us up, frankly, is, is our thinking about those things and, and maybe some of the conversations that take about those things. And, and I do this too, okay? I get caught up in stuff. You know, I get caught up in following Twitter and, uh, you know, flipping over to the news and seeing what's happening out there in the world and getting annoyed about it and blah, 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 blah. What I'm doing innocently is I'm creating a lot of thinking about, about stuff that is, is, seems to be happening out there and getting myself potentially worked up about it. Uh, and when I see what I'm doing, when I notice what I'm doing, then I just walk away from it. But for so many people, they don't see what's going on. They actually believe the thoughts to be true. And my invitation to you is just question that and just be curious about it. Are thoughts true? Do I need to believe my thoughts to be true? And if I can take that invitation a little bit further, Stu, is to, is to fully question whether well-being is completely dependent on the circumstances that you're in. Because 
that that was definitely something I would have believed a few years ago is that my well-being was dependent on everything that was going on around me and the the shift for me was starting to notice that I can have two people in exactly the same circumstance going through exactly the same stuff and for someone they seem to be okay and and coping and and appearing a lot more resilient for someone else it can feel it can feel completely um unmanageable and that really got me curious about what's going on there because the circumstances is the same so i'm really curious about whether how can i put it whether we don't give ourselves permission to access well-being because of our circumstances whether we decide that we can only be okay if I think Stu, you did a podcast with us a couple of years ago. We were talking about results, weren't we, in education? And you were saying so many leaders, for example, I'll be okay when we get this percentage in SATs. I'll be okay when, where you were kind of inviting us at the time to question that. What if it's the other way around? What if, what if we can access well-being at all times? Now, that's not to say it's not really difficult at the moment where we're in, we're having some really tricky stuff going on. But I, I just find that invitation really helpful because. I've had some really tough times this year, but I would also hand on heart say I've had some of the most contented times of my life this year. And I think that's because I've understood more deeply that my well-being isn't attached to COVID-19 or, or, or anything going on around me. And I'd, that's an invitation to people to get a bit curious about that. Quite naturally, lots of you in the, in the chat sort of thinking about ways to support other people as well and we covered that in one of our webinars but it might be nice to end on that point a lot of people talking about some really lovely things that you might do for your colleagues and things but Stu and Liz what 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 are your reflections about how we best support those around us who are clearly in that really sort of stressed thinking worked up state because there's a tendency to as, as people are suggesting very kindly to do lots of things for those people offer things for those people and, and those things are, are, are of course lovely but what's your angle on that I'll go first here because um, I think something just popped into my mind you see I think that the, the best that the, the best thing that we can do for others is to, to really look after ourselves is to be really present to our own well-being is to be really grounded in ourselves um, and from that space we will get lots of different ideas that 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 will occur to us in that in in the moments to support our staff or our teams which which are brilliant to use to, to sort of to, to, to put out there but when we ourselves are feeling revved up and anxious and if we go like I need to make my staff feel better I need to look at well-being I need to, to sort things out then we're not, we're not able to provide that for others in the same way. Because there's something, I don't know about you, but there's something about being around somebody that's really grounded and really calm and really in touch with that deeper resilience of themselves that, that does something. For, like when I'm around someone like that, it does something for me. I don't, I don't need to be given something or told to go and do something to feel better. It's like, oh, I, I'm, I'm recognizing that within myself. So I would say the greatest gift we can give anybody, and that's basically the premise of our work that, that, we, that we work on, is helping people to see that they themselves are deeply okay. And that, that when I stand in my okayness, my resilience, that really supports others to uh, engage with that themselves. Maybe if I could follow that up, but um, I think it was uh, Sarah, uh, 
I saw that you were asking the question about what you can be doing to encourage well-being. So it's really building on what Liz is, is talking about there. And it's, it's often feeding back the, the things that you see about others that they don't see in themselves. Because we, we can often get lost in stories about ourselves. You know, I'm not good enough or I'm really struggling or, you know, blah, blah, blah. And actually, we tend to overlook the things that are real strengths in ourselves that, that just seem to, we seem to be blind to. And I think if, if you're in a school with, uh, I think, 36 people, with 36 of you, you'll probably get to know them really well. And, and by pointing to the, to, the, to the very essence of them in, a, in, a, in an authentic way, where you're seeing something about them that they've just forgotten about, that resonates so deeply and you, 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 you get a real connection sense with those people that is even deeper maybe than, than you've had before. I think that's so lovely. It's a, such a perfect way to sort of just close part of this conversation. But I think that has been the game changer for me is recognising my, my best offer to those around me is, is being in my own well-being, being in my own kind of calmness. I just think there's something as people have commented in, in, in the chat that is so wonderful about being around someone that, that gives you that kind of calmness Stu, your dulcet tones have been commented on for your, your kind of calmness, but it's true when you're around someone in that place, it, it, it does something. And one thing I would say to people is I used to, when I first met uh, Liz and Stu, I used to think they were some sort of, um, I don't know, maybe godlike creatures that had accessed something <laughs> that I couldn't, um, you know, in terms of it, that kind of inner peacefulness. And, and, and it, it took me a while before I realized they were perfectly normal human beings, just like me, who felt all those same tricky, difficult things and had good days and bad days. But what, the difference was that they had just come to really understand something simple about life that I was just starting to get to grips with. And I would say to people that there's a tendency when you see other people who, well, to, you know, perhaps you, you say, oh, they make me feel calm or I feel calm when I'm around them. And like, there's something they do that's different to me. There's not, there's not there. They're perhaps just grasp that understanding about what's going on behind the scenes. And really we keep coming back to it. We say the same things every time we do these webinars, which is that, you know, our experience of the world around us is innocently completely self-generated. And, and, if it and if it wasn't that way, we'd all experience life in the same way. And we don't. So uh, as Stu said earlier, the invitation is to get a little bit curious about that now and, and what's going on there. And whether, like me, a few years ago, are you, giving your, are you only giving yourself permission to access well-being or to feel okay when all your circumstances are great? Now, that for me is quite a risky way to live because life's going to be tough at multiple points in all of our lives for the rest of our lives. So if you decide now I'm only going to be okay when things are great, when circumstances are lovely, I think you're setting yourself up for quite a, a tricky time there. Where if you can perhaps give yourself permission to say, you know, maybe there's a kind of an inner calm and peacefulness in me that I can access whenever, that's, pr that's handy. That's really, that's really quite useful and has served me well. So I think we'll we'll bring the recorded bit of this to an end because it was intended to be a fairly short conversation and I, I hope there's been some useful bits in all that. And then really, if any of our guests on the webinar want to ask any questions, either written or feel free to unmute and ask them, then, then you can. But 
Um, really thankful for you joining us and so nice to connect with some different educators across the country um, who are so dedicated to their work and yeah it's just a privilege to have your company a couple of days before Christmas. Deputy the deputy.